a big event or something, but just the way humans are right now. Yeah. So we're so fighting amongst each other and intolerant of each other and, uh, and fearful still so fearful oh kill it kill i don't know what that is so shoot it you know mm -hmm. so uh and and they are very frail and delicate they did explain to me why they freeze us they don't freeze me so much anymore when they mm -hmm. take me aboard a ship and stuff because i've learned not to be afraid but when they used to for so many times i'd wake up on an exam table frozen and couldn't move mm -hmm. and one as they started getting me used to them and learning that they're not going to hurt me they would let me wake up and start moving a little bit while i was still on the ship mm -hmm. and i looked over and saw a gray being at the corner of my eye and i just instinctively whacked with my arm you know because oh that's creepy and i felt his little body was so soft and frail it was like a ripe banana or something that i whacked against the wall and I, I felt so bad and i and i'm not a big person so it occurred to me they freeze us or paralyze us not to be mean not to be bullies but for their own self-protection because humans are a pretty brutal violent aggressive species you got to accentuate the positive wow, i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So fabulous to have you with us again. I have another incredible woman to introduce you to today. Her name is Donna Lynn. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me to come. Donna is an has an extraordinary life experience, which we're going to go into. She's got a bit of a bio here, which I'm going to read you. She is one of those children, just like me, who could never stop asking why. I think there's quite a few of those on the planet. Studied psychology, world religions, metaphysics while working in healthcare and is on a quest for understanding the mind-body-spirit connection. A wise teacher once told you, Donna, that it is your gentleness is your strength. After a lifetime of being told by others that you were too sensitive, Donna decided to embrace her sensitivity. Then otherworldly beings showed up to answer her questions. Why? Why? She, in she interacted with these beings that others couldn't see and visited places that others haven't been to, overcoming extreme fear and slowly developing a relationship with these entities, which she's written all about in her book, From Fear to Love. So we're going to go into your story. When did, it, but when did you first start remembering that you were having these experiences with other beings, interdimensional beings? My earliest memories, I was six years old. I would wake up screaming and, it, you know, I called them monsters at the time. Mm -hmm. I just saw faces very, very close to mine with the big black glossy eyes staring into mine and I was paralyzed. And my mom, of course, came rushing in and she would just say, they're bad dreams. They're just bad dreams. They're not real. And so I spent a large part of my life just believing they were bad dreams. They weren't real. And I believe it was like 1987 when the book Communion came out by Whitley Strieber and the alien face on the cover. 
I saw that I was walking by a bookstore and I saw that and just froze to the spot like, those are not just bad dreams. Somebody else sees these same creatures because the dreams, you know, I have regular dreams, but these dreams are just so real. They're as real as this reality. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was more to it, but you know, it's kind of a thing you don't talk about. My mom made it kind of like, let's just keep this a little family secret. (laughs) You know, of course it was back in the 70s and 80s when there is a possibility I could have been put away or something for talking about alien creatures. But Whitley Strieber kind of made it okay. And then the mm-hmm. movies with Close Encounters and things came out. And it was about the 1990s that I really fully embraced that these these are real. These are real beings. And that's when I really began interacting with them and remembering more what they were doing and what they were saying. Is your mom still alive? No, she passed away in 2013. And interestingly, that's about the time I was writing my book and sending it out. And I don't know that I could have gotten it done if she was still alive. She, yeah. You know, she, I believe she a, was. Yeah, I believe she was probably a contactee. But and you her mother did. probably told her, "Don't talk about it," right. you know, because it's generational. Isn't that interesting? There's a passage, you know, in the Bible, and the sins of the father are visited on the son. It's yes. like we just go down through the generations. But um, so you never had a, a discussion later on in your life about about what you experienced with your mom you never never did spoke to and, her. and when my book came out actually my father my sister and my daughter and even my ex-husband all contacted me to say i'm so sorry that i that you were going through this and i didn't know and i wasn't more supportive because i just always kind of kept it in well that's why i wrote i i always kept journals and i would write it down i'd wake up and write this all down to kind of get it out of my head so that i could set it aside and then carry on with a somewhat normal life. Otherwise it was, it would have just been too overwhelming to be walking around with all this stuff in my head. I know. Look, your story is fascinating. You know, I've had Sherry Wilde on the show and you know, Sherry's book, The Forgotten Mm -hmm. Promise. Very similar. Similar, but similar, but different. Same, same, but different in that she didn't remember. So she had all these contacts and she had no memory at the time they were happening. So the ETs were, or the extra dimensionals or the other beings or the higher dimensional beings were very um, clever at just wiping her memory. I mean, her memory only came back in hypnosis, but yet you were having memory. Yes, from the beginning, actually. Beginning, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how that would play out in the morning. You'd wake up in the morning, what would happen? Um, I'd wake up in the morning or sometimes immediately after the experience and kind of either be just overwhelmed or have a migraine headache or a nosebleed or mysterious bruises and markings. Mm -hmm. And I just think I must have been sleepwalking. But they, uh, when they paralyze you and they stare into your eyes with those big black eyes, they're like reading you. They're, Mm -hmm. it's, I've learned since it's, it's, you know, we shake hands when we meet somebody, dogs sniff each other when they meet somebody. That's kind of an alien greeting. It's actually how they get to know each other. So they didn't understand back in the 60s and 70s. It was utterly terrifying for humans because for them, it's kind of how they meet and greet. So they learned with me and thousands of others like me that that's a little bit tough to approach people that way. And they're now approaching people in a little more of a gentle way, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, do you think the terror, terror and the fear was just because of the we were just not educated? I mean, the reason there are so many podcast shows out there now and books and everything is that we need to educate the population that, hello, <laughs> there yes. are people that interact with us. And when the education is out there, then the terror and the fear will subside and we'll have that connection. Exactly, because the fear of the unknown is the biggest fear for everyone. And it took me a long time to realize, well, if they were really going to hurt me or eat me or make me a slave or something, they would have done that a long time ago. And in fact, Crote, my main alien guide who is a seven foot tall praying mantis, he would often come to me when I was little, I called him the doctor, because he would often come to me in the middle of the night when I had like a really severe migraine headache. And he would stand by the side of my bed and place his big praying mantis foreleg across my forehead and instantly the migraine would be gone. And then it occurred to me, well, they must be benevolent. They, he cares not only about humanity, but about me as an individual. He knew that I was laying there suffering and he came and helped me. Mm. So they're, they can't be all bad. So well, me. I think them, they're all good, actually, the majority of them. You know, years ago, I've got a friend, Ananara, who is a walk-in, actually. She's a, an incredibly galactic being. Uh, I don't know, probably about 20 years ago, I think she walked in. And, um, you know, she told me about Dr. Lawfin years ago. Dr. Lawfin, he's a, a, a nine-foot-tall prey mantis. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know her story. I have to find that out. Yeah, she was, uh, I'll get her on the show one day. She's a little shy. She, um, you know, she had an accident, woke up in the hospital and she knew she had to go up to Byron Bay. She didn't even know what was happening about Byron Bay. She went up there and started her spiritual journey, but she walked in. Anyway, we were at a conference recently and I was telling her that my karma has sort of finished. I don't need to really struggle in this lifetime anymore after a lifetime of struggle. And she mm-hmm. said, when's my karma going to finish? And I just went, it finished when you walked in. <laughs> so we had this like, you walked in, you didn't come and you were then a karma. But that's another story. Yeah. But um, yeah, so she was talking about Dr. Lawfin, this enormous, you know, how, how big is Crote? I think he's about seven feet tall, mm-hmm. but he has, they can shape shift. They can kind of make us think whatever they want us to think. And uh, I have, he has actually told me that he can be the size of a regular earthly praying mantis. And he does sometimes take that form to observe people. In fact, the editor of my book, she emailed me the morning she got my manuscript. She works at home and she went to have a cup of coffee on her front porch before she started reading my manuscript. And a praying mantis came and stood on her lap and kind of observed her. And she likes nature, so she didn't mess with him. Then she went in the house and started reading my manuscript about quote the praying mantis. And it's like, I believe that probably was him, maybe checking her out or confirming to her that my story was legit or who knows, you know, what their motivation is. But uh, I do believe that they can be different sizes. Mm. But his seems like his regular size is about seven feet tall and he's very majestic. He has very regal bearing, very intelligent, and he just radiates love and compassion, not just for me, but for all of humanity and for Earth. He's just a, kind of like the energy you'd expect to feel from an angel, I think. Ooh. When's the first time that you met Crote? I was eight years old. I woke up and he was standing at the foot of my bed. There were three greys. He's always accompanied by three greys. They're like, I don't know, his assistants, I guess. Mm-hmm. They were kind of by the side of my bed. And as usual, I was paralyzed, so I couldn't 
talk or move or anything. And he was just standing at the foot of my bed and he had a, like a robe uh, with a high collar and he was just standing there. And I know he told me some messages, but I was too young or too scared or something. I can't remember. I think he was kind of detailing that he's my companion for life. He's with me. He's going to be my helpmate. And he, he would come and go throughout the years, especially during times when I had health issues or emotional issues like a divorce or something. Times when I'm really struggling in life, mm-hmm. he will come to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you woke up, you're eight years old, he's standing at the end of the bed, um, you're, you're awake, you're not in a dream state, you're awake, you're sitting right. up in bed looking through your outside eyes at right. beings, and what happens next? Uh, I don't remember that specific incident, but over the years, the usual pattern is that the next thing I knew, like everything would go black, and the next thing I knew, I would wake right. up again and I would be on an exam table kind of the classic gray experience that I've read about. Mm-hmm. I'd be laying on a, it seemed like a metal exam table in this white round room. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Crote was the doctor. He did little experiments. Nothing ever painful though, or maybe he blocked that memory. But uh, instruments would kind of come out of the walls and then disappear back into the walls so that it was always just this white round bare room. And I do believe he harvested eggs. You know, people have talked about the, the DNA and the, genetic program that they do but i it was never traumatic or or terrifying or scary i guess he explained it to me in a way that a child could understand or a young teenager mm-hmm, and uh he made me believe that it was like a a good thing to be chosen <laughs> and mm-hmm. some people say well that's kind of like brainwashing that you know kind of evil that they told you that but no i see that there's a higher purpose mm-hmm. they see the big picture you know mm-hmm. we tend to have tunnel vision with our lives let's just pay mm-hmm. our bills and get through to saturday and whereas they see the big picture of the future for earth and all races and humanity and uh actually one of the other aliens that i've interacted with not long ago told me that she's a geneticist and she works with the DNA of planet Earth, mm-hmm. tree, animals. And she looked right at me with those big black eyes and said, and I'm interested in your DNA. And that was a breakthrough for me, even after all these years. And I thought, why me? I'm just a regular person. But they, they, do, they do have, you know, interests that they're following. They don't always let us in on everything that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you talk about the big picture. And we get so tunnel vision, you know, we think that this, this life is all there is, this, this life, whereas right. they, they can see your multidimensional lives. So they don't see you as this one life, this one body. They see you as the story of your multidimensionalness, which is dovetailing with this life, which we might not be privy to until we are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, did. He, he's the one who answers most of my questions. I ask them a lot of questions. I don't get right. a lot of answers, but they, they tell me things. Sometimes they'll say it is not yet time for you to know. Mm-hmm. You know the time is not right. But mm-hmm. he does answer some of my deeper questions. And at one time he took me like out in space. Sometimes they do take my physical body. Other times I feel they take my spirit or my essence. I feel myself being whooshed out of the body kind of out into the, we just hover in space, in this blackness of space with the stars. And that's where he answers a lot of my questions. And he showed me this giant multifaceted crystal, almost like a disco ball, (laughs) multifaceted. And my face literally was on one of the facets. His face was on one of the facets. Um, 
and other people that I knew, people who I didn't know, animals. And he said, we're all part of this one whole. Right. So yeah. I took that to mean that, that multidimensional. So I am connected to him on a pretty deep level, I guess. <laughs> no, you don't guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know. A whole lifetime, so there is a connection for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I just got so many questions swirling around in my head. Um, because as I ask them, I get the answers as well. And um, I'm trying to sort of work through them. Okay, so, you know, I see the primantises as the architects of the universe. And um, the architects of the universe, it's kind of like they design, they design worlds. And within those worlds, they also design uh, creatures. And we're one of them, the design of the DNA, the design of the body. and um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Anyway, I remember when Ananara talked about the prime, you know, the seven Dr. Lawfen, the seven foot. What the essence I got from Dr. Lawfen is that he works on your electrical circuits. So, like the nervous system, you know, like the nervous system is animating pretty much every single cell, every single organ in your body. It's animating mm -hmm. it with energy, with electricity. And they, kind of work on that so you can so maybe that's why he was helping you with the headaches i was thinking migraines are neurological yeah so that makes perfect sense yeah interesting isn't it do yeah. you think the headaches were do, do you know what the headaches were about do you think it was part of your uh connection I, I once met a man at a seminar a young boy who said he was an alien in a human body and i said oh what's it like to be a you know an alien in a human mm -hmm. body he goes fine but i have migraine headaches the whole time that don't go so oh, do, you, wow. do you think that it's a part of the kind of frequency that you hold that creates the headaches? I do think there's a connection. I really mm -hmm. do. And uh, because my mom, who I believe had contact, uh, mm -hmm. but didn't ever admit it to me or anyone else, mm -hmm. had migraines all her life. And I do think there's a connection and they can help us, but there's something we need to do too. You know, they don't want us to have pain. They wouldn't give us pain on purpose. It's not a test or anything, but it's like there's something we need to do or we need to learn from it and share with others. And I haven't figured that out yet. I wish I would. <laughs> oh, look, just reading your bio, it's something about, because I remember this young man, he was gorgeous. It was years ago. Um, and I was a young healer at the time, you know, wanting to heal the world. And I remember looking at him thinking, now, how can I fix you? How can I heal you? How can I heal you? And he was saying, you can't, you can't heal me. You can't heal me. But um, I looked into it, you know, and headaches or migraines are usually the pressure that we put on ourselves. And um, mm. maybe when you've come in as a sensitive, there's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself because this is a kind of harsh environment for a sensitive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... Um, uh, the you know to acclimate with this energy and be okay with this energy kind of alleviates the pressure that you feel about being a sensitive because I know so many empaths and sensitive have a hard time amongst mm -hmm. all the you know denser thought forms of fear and stuff like that and you were having your own fear as a young girl yes and uh, actually Crote did explain that to me one time mm -hmm. he showed me a scene where I was he said it was my pre-birth party and I was in this area with a lot of other souls and I was me but I wasn't me standing at the head of this yeah. table mm -hmm. with three spirit guides and 
they handed me this golden platter and these golden tongs and there was this big table laden with platters and goblets in front of me and I went out thinking it was a banquet right and as I went to choose I saw that it was life choices it wasn't food or drink and it was who's going to be your third grade teacher who's going to be your best friend when you're in high school all these life choices and he explained to me at that time because I was kind of whining and complaining about how hard my life was and I had physical issues and he said certain things are fixed your parents were fixed your astrological influences were fixed lifetime ET contact was fixed because a lot of people have told the aliens to go away and leave them alone and they did well, I told them that when I was younger and they never left me alone. And he said, that was part of my plan, lifetime alien contact. But then there's these other things that are free will. And I chose a lot. I chose, you know, physical ailments and financial difficulty and divorce. And, and my guides along the way, as I went around this table, were saying, don't you think that's a little much on your plate? Like this expression, you have a lot on your plate. Yeah. And I was so arrogant at the time. I said, no, 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 I can handle this. I can handle this. And they knew I would pass through the veil of forgetting, end up here and be whining and complaining all the time about how hard my life was. But actually, I really did choose it. Croat finally took me and showed me, you know, it's like, stop complaining already. You really did choose all this. And uh, so wow. it, it's yeah. all part of my lessons in my life plan. So I've, I've got a better attitude now about the difficulties I face. Well, here, here, you know, and this is why I do the show. When you find out that you are at choice and what's happening in your life, you mm -hmm. stop stressing. You stop putting pressure on yourself. You stop exactly. being in fear. And that's what everyone that's doing podcasts and all the books that you're writing and everyone, that's what we're all up to. We're up to, you know, educating people so that that stress and worry and fear just melts away and we can right. see that we are the creators of our reality and that we create it from this perspective, but in coming into alignment with that perspective, like exactly. when we come into alignment with, I chose this in my soul plan. Mm -hmm. so I must've wanted this, you know, I must've wanted to experience this. Wow. I would read self-help books and they all say, you create your own reality. And I looked around at my life and said, no, I did <laughs> not create this, <laughs> you know, money struggles and health struggles. And, but Croat showed me the, the bigger picture again where yes i really did choose it so so from that bigger picture how much did croat show you from that bigger picture what was the reasoning behind choosing money struggles and divorce and headaches and all that <laughs> so what was the bigger picture some of it was karma from past lifetimes as you mentioned you know the the physical problems a lot of us sensitive people have yeah. I used to believe it was my first lifetime on earth and that's why I had such a hard time adapting to how difficult earth is. But I, I learned that, no, I've had many, many lifetimes on earth. And in fact, I had some where I was powerful and I was wealthy and I abused that and maybe didn't always treat people well and maybe was greedy and maybe told some lies. And so for this particular lifetime, this is a pretty important time in earth. So they tell me this is like a big turning point in Earth's history. And I wanted to make the most of it. So I deliberately chose to experience all kinds of troubles and tribulations, you know, to see how I could handle it. I, I did it to myself as a kind of a test and also to a retribution for some of the lifetimes where I wasn't always the nicest person, I guess. 
You know, as you're speaking, I'm getting an image. I'm getting an image of a, a athlete putting hurdles, you know, lining up the hurdles in the race. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like you're putting more hurdles in your path and mm-hmm. you, know, you jump them. Some you miss and some you... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you, some fall over, exactly. you fall over. But you keep going and then you start the race again and then jump those hurdles. It's like those hurdles that you put. And the more hurdles you put, it's like the better you are at this life. Like when I can jump all those hurdles, I'm going to be a really good, you know, athlete, so to speak. It's just an analogy. It's not a perfect analogy. Yes, Yes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But I think next lifetime I'm going to just be on a beach in Hawaii. (laughs) No more struggles for next lifetime. I overdid it. You know, so many people say that that put a lot of hurdles in their path. They say, you know, next one's going to be an easy one. But we always say that from this perspective, like when we're in the game. But when we're out of the game, looking back on the benefits that the contrast, you know, the experience in contrast offers us, we mm-hmm. make different choices. Just like you with your enthusiasm. Because as right. you said, you were not a newbie to this planet so you knew and from that perspective you knew what it would felt like and yet you kept putting all this stuff on your plate you know <laughs> and quote exactly. saying, don't load up your plate too much it's so funny because garnet talks about this in one of his books he watches the life he watches a spirit do a life plan and he's the same he's really enthusiastic i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and their guides are saying are you sure you can handle all that? I'd take a few things out, you know. I wouldn't put so much contrast. Mm-hmm. I heard you say in another um, chat, I think it was, um, I think it was with Kevin Moore on the Moore Show that, you know, the aliens never gave you names. That they, um, you kept asking for a long time. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about that? Yes, for the longest time after I finally accepted that they are real and they are individual beings. I started asking them for names as I was trying to get over my fear and I could tell they were trying to be less intimidating. How and old were you when that started mm-hmm. happening? That would be the 1990s. So I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. It took a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as a human, when you know someone's name, when you see a baby or you see a dog, what's their name? It makes it more friendly, less intimidating somehow to know the name. Mm-hmm. So I would ask them, what's your name? What's your name? And they either wouldn't answer or they'd say that is not for you to know, or they were still kind of cold and impersonal. And throughout the 1990s, they also showed me scenes of devastation of the earth. And I think a lot of people got that. And a lot of movies came out about that with volcanoes and tsunamis and wars. And I really thought that either the year 2000 or the Mayan calendar, 1221, 12, there were going to be some big major changes. And then when nothing happened, there was a big shift uh, in the way they reacted. They, I think oh, somehow we overcame a hurdle. I think our consciousness reached a point where we, we escaped a big issue that we might have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then they started working with me more personally and more one-on-one, and they started telling me their names. Um, Croat told me it was Croat, and I could see the letters in my head, C-R-O-T-E. It was very specific about how it was spelled. And what's funny, they have a sense of humor too, which is partly how they alleviate the fear. Um, I saw, he told me that and I was so excited. And about a week later, I went and saw the movie K-Pax with Kevin Spacey. And his alien being is called Prot, P-R-O-T. And when I heard that, I was like, what the heck is, is Croat like, 
playing with me? Is that even really his name? Is he messing with me? <laughs> that might not even be his name. He might just be kind of goofing around. I don't know. And, and uh, there's did another you, one. Did you ask him? Are you messing yeah, with me? He stays kind of aloof a lot of times. So they leave. Whenever I ask questions, even if they give me an answer, it seems like there's always a hundred more questions. You know, they, the way they leave me with their answers. I know, so, I know. You know, a lot of people saw that devastation. I spoke to Lorna Byrne who sees angels and spirits. She perceives subtle energy through her outside eyes. So she sees angelic beings and spirit everywhere. And she was um, taken by her angels and she was shown Earth's devastation when she was a child. She was shown the Earth being blown up and tsunamis. And, and so um, what they said was that was a probable reality that we were on that trajectory back in like those days in the, well, the 70s, mm -hmm. 80s, even the 90s. And um, I guess that the powers that be have just been sending light beings down to this planet in the millions, literally in the millions and millions to try and shift that trajectory to another probable reality. And many have say that we have reached that tipping point where we're not going to create that reality. So, yes. And, and they have assured me, well, a lot of people believe that they can disconnect uh, nuclear weapons mm -hmm. um, and they have assured me for a long time that there's not going to be a nuclear war. They might allow one or two nuclear bombs to go off, but they certainly won't allow destruction of the earth at all. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I do feel like we passed some kind of test or crossed over some kind of threshold where now things are better and now they're approaching people in a more friendly and open way. And people are talking about this in a, in a, less fearful way and I have uh, little grandchildren now and I do believe that maybe them the kids that are maybe like 12 10 and under they're the ones who will get to walk with the aliens on earth you know it's going to take a little time still humanity isn't ready for them to approach us in mass yet because mm. you know humans when we get in a group we get kind of violent and brutal and start fires and things like that mm. but I do believe that within maybe 30 or 40 years, humanity will have come to the understanding that we can accept aliens to come down and walk amongst us and we won't treat them like gods. They don't want to be treated like gods because that happened in the past. Yeah. Egypt and that. Yeah. So they want to be uh, seen as brothers and sisters and they want to interact with us. But for right now, they told me that they're doing it just one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. you know, those of us, you know, that are interacting one-on-one -on -one and, that for now is the best way to do it yeah you know with the name thing oh it's just so much I can say with the name thing you know beings that live beyond this third dimension because a long time ago a spiritual teacher once said to me that separation is created when we um, name things and oh. and before you are um, you have language you look at everything as just energy just one and then when you name it, that's a tree, that's a bee, that's a Donna, that's Karen. You know, when you name something, you create this separation. So the, the high dimensional beings have a more collective understanding, a more connected understanding, and don't necessarily name things. They sense uh, different intentions and different purpose through energy frequency. And so they don't actually have names. Like when I was really young, 
I kept asking my spirit guide what their name was. I wanted some dude or person or girl or goddess to turn up and say, mm-hmm. I am your spirit guide, Mother Mary. Exactly. And they never gave me names. They ne- and I was got so frustrated. And then one day I did a like meet your spirit guide meditation and I got nobody. And again, I'm screaming out to them going, where's my spirit guide? <laughs> <laughs> and they said to me, oh, Karen, really? We don't have names, you know, we've been so many identities and so many names. Which one would you choose? You know, like pick one and we'll turn up as that. Mm-hmm. And I started to understand that it's just my human perspective that needed that name, that, that identity, and that that's not their perspective. So with your quote, I reckon he was messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a sense of humor, a very yeah. intellectual, sarcastic kind of sense of humor. Yeah, because, you know, he... He could see from his perspective that you would see that movie before you did, you know, and he goes, let me give it. Anyway, so I think that's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of that as the names because for so many years they refused to give me any names and I thought they were being rude. But coming from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. I guess they were trying to get you more tapped into their perspective. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what my guys were doing with me. And yet I was hanging on to my human perspective and demanding a name, demanding, demanding, demanding. And um, I think they were trying to teach us to be more collectively focused, more, you know, just tune into the energy rather than, you know, need a name. Um, Because a name does create focus. I think I heard you say when, we give a name to a disease, like we have a pain and then the doctor says, oh, you've got liver failure or whatever or TB or they give it. A, you said it makes us feel better, but it also gives us something to focus on. Exactly. Uh, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And, and I see a lot of people who interact with aliens, they talk about things like galactic federations or they come from the planet, you know, X, Y, Z. I've never been told anything like that um i think those are more human you know star trek star wars things to have a galactic federation and you know i i think again they have a bigger perspective of those kind of things and don't feel the need to name them and that might be partly why a lot of people have asked me where they come from and i really don't know i used to think it was other planets but now that i've investigated more i tend to think more dimensionally that they're maybe right here, but they're in a realm we can't see or with these eyes or here with these ears. Mm -hmm. But I think they're probably a little closer than some distant planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe a future dimension of Earth, like our future selves. Yes, I have thought that they could be our distant descendants too, which is why they're interested in the DNA and the genetics. Yeah. I just find it fascinating that they choose this Primantis form. Why Primantis? Did yeah. you ever ask, like, why that form? No, no, I didn't. And uh, it's, I'm in Southern California, so I almost never, ever see a praying mantis here. I've really? only seen them pretty much in pictures or movies or things. So I, I think once or twice in my life I've actually seen one in person. Mm-mm. So, no, I don't know why. I think even in Men in Black, there was a rather large prey mantis figure that was an alien. But, you know, Hollywood always makes them the, um, the, uh, the enemy, someone mm-hmm. that we have to fight and shoot. And 
Mind you, there was that movie that came out recently called, you know, with the big alien spheres that sort of dropped all over the planet. Oh, what was that called? The Arrival? Was Arrival. that The Arrival? That was very interesting because yeah. it didn't present them as, you know, humanoid. They were alien, which is more what it would be, something completely alien in an alien environment, alien language. I, I like that. I like that movie a lot. It was the first Hollywood movie that didn't present them as coming to attack us either. Right. It actually presented the war's perspective as coming from the human mind that we're like on the defense. Exactly. Like, it's like yeah. they're not communicating, so we have to destroy them because we're just, just fear perpetuating the consciousness of humanity. And like here they, they come to bring a new language and all we want to do is blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so, there was a lot of truth to that movie. So that's the first like big Hollywood blockbuster that's really presented that perspective, which is you know things are shifting when it kind of shifts in Hollywood maybe, but um so you think that aliens won't walk amongst us in our lifetime. You think it'll be our grandchildren. That's not what I see now. Of course things can change. Yeah. Things could change with a big event or something but just the way humans are right now yeah so we're so fighting amongst each other and intolerant of each other and uh and fearful still so fearful oh kill it kill i don't know what that is so shoot it you know yeah. so uh and and they are very frail and delicate they did explain to me why they freeze us they don't freeze me so much anymore when they take me aboard a ship and stuff because I've learned not to be afraid but when they used to for so many times I'd wake up on an exam table frozen and couldn't move mm -hmm. and one as they started getting me used to them and learning that they're not going to hurt me they would let me wake up and start moving a little bit while I was still on the ship mm -hmm. and I looked over and saw a gray being at the corner of my eye and I just instinctively whacked with my arm you know because oh that's creepy and I felt his little body was so soft and frail. It was like a ripe banana or something that I whacked against the wall. And I, I felt so bad. And, I, and I'm not a big person. So it occurred to me, they freeze us or paralyze us, not to be mean, not to be bullies, but for their own self-protection. Because humans are a pretty brutal, violent, aggressive species. Mm. And they, they do it for their own self-protection, not to be mean. That's it. That's so interesting. You know, Garnet has said that too, and he's been talking to Albert and aliens, and he said um, that if you think about what we do to animals, like we capture them, maybe a dolphin or a whale or any, we capture them and the animal is struggling and kicking and, yeah, and for our own protection, we tranquilize them and then yes. we heal them. Like if an animal is sick, we capture it, tranquilize it, and then fix it and then put it back into the wild. So that's actually what they're doing to us. Like we're exactly. the ones screaming and kicking and because <laughs> we are scared. Yeah, we don't understand. And, um, and for their own protection, yeah, they're paralyzing us or tranquilizing us with their technology, I suppose. They've got different technology to us. Pretty much, exactly, like what we do for polar bears or cougars. Oh, bears. Or, yeah, pretty much. Anything. Yeah, exactly. So... You can understand it from that perspective. Uh, uh, okay, so I'd love to know what was happening in the ship. So when you stopped being so fearful and they stopped paralyzing you for their own protection, they let you walk around. What did you see? What did they show you? 
The one thing that really struck my mind was they walked me, it's always three gray aliens and they kind of have their little frog-like hands on my upper arms. So they've still got a certain amount of control over me. Um, and they've walked me into a control room where the ship was flying and they let me see this. The, of course, all the rooms are round. All the rooms that I see are always round, but the whole front half of it was just clear, like glass, like, and we were whooshing super fast through this forest. It looked like maybe the Pacific Northwest, big trees, and I couldn't believe how we were going through without hitting things, and they explained to me that it's, they can adjust the molecules rate of vibration so that we're literally passing through the trees, and uh, that way no humans could see us, and there were two gray aliens at the central console. There were like beings up above that had multiple arms that were doing things. And there were beings on the floor that were doing things. And it's like, they always have multiple types of beings on the ships and each one has a job according to its abilities. And the grays apparently fly the ships mostly. And there were two grays sitting at a console. And one of them stood up and gestured to me like, you sit. So I kind of went and sat on the seat and I looked and it was colorful and there were these hieroglyphs and the gray next to me was a female and she kind of smiled at me and went like this with her hands like, you take over the controls. And I just completely panicked and I, they, they communicate telepathically and I said, I don't know what to do, I don't want to touch it. And immediately this ship was slowing down and I knew we were going to start bumping into those trees and then up ahead, I could see buildings, and I saw a corner of a building that we were going right towards. And I said, we're going to crash, we're going to crash, we're going to hit the building. And we did, but we just lightly tapped it, just like a balloon bouncing off. There was no damage, no noise, no nothing. And the gray alien sitting next to me, she started to laugh. And, you know, we always think of the grays as robotic or unfriendly. She was laughing at my reaction. And then she took over the controls again and we took off. But Oh, that's so fun. So that was when you amazing. say she was laughing, was she actually getting a smile on her face or was she laughing with her energy and you could feel the joy? More with the energy. They don't really have much of a mouth. No. So, they, so do they more, have facial expression? They don't really have facial expression, do they? Not much. I think maybe your eyes crinkled up a little bit, but right. it was more of a telepathic or an emotional feeling I got from her. But, Ooh, that's uh, so fascinating. As, as you're speaking again, I'm getting all these images. Um, so what we perceive as solid, I'm looking outside at the trees, the cushion, you know, is just frequency, energy vibrating at a rate. Mm -hmm. And they have the ability to increase their frequency so that it vibrates, as you say, at a faster rate so mm -hmm. that it can pass through this, this frequency. Right. Because it's, um, so we talk about the third dimension as a dense vibrational you know, reality. It's just the level of the rate of frequency everything's vibrating at and they can... So this is what so many people say about Ali, you know, they came through the walls and they took me yes. through the walls, which seems so impossible. Yes. That this physical body could go through a physical wall, but how they, somehow they can raise our frequency, they can raise the vibration of our molecular structure, if I'm saying that right, probably not, um, so that our bodies can pass through a wall. It just seems amazing, yes. doesn't it? 
It, it does. And like I said, sometimes I do believe they take my physical body and other times yeah. they don't. Yeah. And for years I was married. I had a daughter. I've always had dogs, which I thought subconsciously would protect me from the aliens, but they never bark or growl at the aliens. So right. what's up with that? Right? Yeah. And, um, so, but then I'd wake up with a nosebleed or marks and so they must have taken my body. So I, I guess they either paralyze everybody in the household so they don't recognize that we're gone or they take everybody from the household with us. I'm not really exactly sure how that works, but um, yeah, sometimes they do actually take our body and, and do things with us. And actually one time I woke up, I, I had a big aquarium in my living room in this particular house and they had me on a ship that looked like an aquarium. They use plants to filter their air. They're much more, you know, they work with nature rather than against it. Their ships don't look like what we see in the, in the movies. They're not big, long silver corridors that echo. They're, they're alive and they're biological and they have animals and plants and they all have a purpose. They use the plants to filter the air rather than machines like we do. And they grow their own food on the ship. And um, some of them actually have a watery environment because they have forced me to go underwater and breathe in, which is terrifying because you think you're going to drown, but it turns out it's some kind of liquid oxygen because then I, I can breathe just fine and float around inside their ship. And one time they had me in one of those ships and then they brought me home and it was huge. They're gigantic ships, but it landed inside my living room next to my aquarium so that I could compare and see that ship looks like an aquarium. It looks like my aquarium with the plants and everything in it and the water whooshing around. And uh, I, I, they let me out and I was dry. That's another thing. I'm under this watery substance, but when I come out, I'm dry. I was in my pajamas and dry and standing in my living room. And this gray alien was standing next to me. And he kind of took a look at my aquarium and, and kind of smirked like, well, that's a very primitive start, but eventually you'll get the hang of how to make ships like ours. And then boom, it was gone and I'm standing in my living room. So, and, and how it went from being gigantic to being like five feet tall and five feet in diameter. It's just, they just have technology that's just incredible. When you talk about this, I just, all sorts of feelings come up for me. I tell you, it's just, Amazing. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have a memory of, um, of a dream, breathing, being underwater, breathing in water and thinking I'm going to drown. And then mm -hmm. how come I'm breathing in the water? I have a memory of a dream like that. So I don't know if that dream was what the hell that dream was. Yeah. It could have uh, been, could have been one of those experiments. Oh, that's just fascinating. Donna. It's just fascinating. I want to know more uh, about the ships. Oh, the technology is just so amazing. It's so amazing compared to ours. So they have, um, you know, when people do talk about galactic federations and different planets and all that, you know, I believe that all that exists. It just mm -hmm. exists as a different, um, it's, it's a different level of consciousness. And there's yes. like, and there's many, you know, when we talk about the afterlife, there's so many people that talk about heaven as this blissful place and then other people talk about different heavenly realms which are more astral physical realms and not understanding that there's not just one place that there's just infinite amounts of experiences both physical non-physical astral you know there's just infinite yes 
that we can play in. And so all these different stories that you hear in the, around the web and in books, they're all a perspective of a reality, a, mm -hmm. a different type of reality. And, but hearing the reality that you're, you've been privy to, um, they have, they live outside of time and space so they have um, mastered time and space in that they can mould it and manipulate it to at mm -hmm. will, at will. You know, yes. that's, the fact that they can be big or little or, you know, like. <laughs> and, and they've hinted to me that, you know, a lot of times on the ships, there'll be like a holding room. Again, it's a big round white room and there'll be people, um, all ages, all colors, all stages of dress. I'm usually in my pajamas yeah. or a robe. They might have a lady that they that's in an evening gown that they took out of a formal event or, wow. you know, different people. Some people are crying or whimpering. Some are just looking around. And um, they've implied to me that my ancestors and or my descendants might be actually in that room with me. Right. But I wouldn't know them, but they've you know, because they've mastered time and space, right. they might have picked up my great, great grandpa and put him next to me to see if we'd interact, you know, but, wow. but they don't tell me they're still, I think they're doing experiments in a way, not, not mean or harsh experiments, but I think they're trying to figure out our relationships and our connections to one another. And if what? we recognize what I recognize my great, 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 great granddaughter, if I was standing next to her on a spaceship, I don't I guess, know. I guess they're experimenting with levels of consciousness too. Like the thing that's always fascinated me about this dimension is the Maya, you know, the forgetfulness. It's like, why can I, why is it that I wake up in the morning and I can't remember where I've been during the night? Yes. Have, like that experience of that, as, as I come into this focus, you know, all that tends to disappear and why can't I grasp a hold of it? And, Mm -hmm. um, that Maya, it's like, what is the, it's obviously a mechanism that's inside our physical brain because when we're in our astral body, it doesn't seem to be as dominant, but, right. it, might, but it might be a conscious technology. I don't know. I haven't kind of got, I haven't got those answers. Um, they've got those answers. Um, we've not got those answers, but um, maybe they're even showing you, you in a past life. That's a possibility, possibility. I hadn't thought of. They might have set me right next to my own self from another life just to see how we'd interact. They're very curious about our relationships because humans are just so emotional and so unpredictable and so vulnerable, but we act tough. And they're, that's one of the main things that they're so fascinated about humans yeah. is our emotions and how we interact in relationships with each other. Yeah, yeah. So what's their emotional range? They obviously don't indulge in fear and terror and rage and aggression. They don't right. have that capacity, um, which I think is why they feel so alien to us because they don't have that capacity, but they have emotions. Like you said, she laughed. Mm -hmm. She thought it was funny. So they have a, mm -hmm. a, an emotional range, just not as big a range of emotions, sort of a smaller range of emotions. Or they do have a full range, but they're so alien to us that we don't understand, you know, they're feeling emotions that we just can't comprehend. Um, love, of course, love and compassion from the mantis beings, especially huge love and compassion. And almost, I get that sometimes Crota almost feels sorry for us because we're just, 
we're just struggling so hard and we just don't get it sometimes. <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of like we would look at a little puppy, you know, yeah, like, almost like that, but they, but they don't place themselves above us. They don't right. think they're that much better than us or smarter than us. They kind of just feel bad that we're so vulnerable. But um, one thing I did learn about the grays not too long ago, mm -hmm. a lot of people think they're robotic or they're a hive mind or something. Mm -hmm. But along with that one who laughed, mm -hmm. um, I learned that I was told that they don't like humans a whole lot. You know, like how you have that coworker that you don't necessarily like, but you have to get along with them. Mm -hmm. The grays kind of feel that way about humanity because they don't like the way we we don't respect each other. We don't respect yeah. the earth yeah. and they don't like us very much because of that. So they work with us because that's their job. But I get the feeling that they don't, they just don't like us a whole lot, which is why they don't interact with us as much as you would expect them to. But I do believe it's changing. I had a friend, I have a friend who's written to me since she wrote my read my book. She wrote yes. to me an email. She's from Germany. And she's one of those people who interacted with aliens as a child, but sent them away because of fear. And after reading my book, she wanted to invite them back into her life. And she woke up one night and there were three grays in her bedroom. And at first she started to panic, but one of them stepped forward and immediately transformed itself into Shirley Temple. Oh, so wow. that put her at ease and it made her laugh. And then they interacted. She said they touched hands and she was amazed at how soft it was and it answered some of her questions. Mm -hmm. And then when it was finished, the alien stepped back, transformed back into a gray alien and the three of them disappeared. And she had no panic or fear, but only a positive, good feeling about it. So I do feel that they're learning about us as much as we're learning about them. And they learned how to approach this woman without terrifying her. And, and so she's invited them back again. And um, I think that's more how the approach is going to be now. They're, they're learning to. They're, they're learning to uh, navigate our fear, which I don't even think humans know how to navigate fear, let alone aliens know how to navigate people's fear. Like how do you, so you come across someone who's terrorized, how do you approach them? What do you say to them? You know, how, what expression do you have on your face? I mean, even humans, are struggling with that like someone who's in panic <laughs> what do you do to help them you know like we don't even know that so how can they that's right that's right oh, just look by us as we are by them i think yeah yeah so um oh, i forgot what i was going to say uh oh it's just gone out of my head Okay, so you've just spoken something that you were just talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, the girl that had forgotten. Do you think that those people who shooed them away when they were young, do you think that the aliens actually go away or do you think that they just set up the mechanism so that they have no memory and they're actually there with them but their memory is just wiped, a bit like Sherry? That's probably true because the people that they've selected, I think it's kind of a lifetime contract. Yeah. It's a soul plan. Yeah. It's, yes. Yeah. So maybe like, they just make it so the person thinks they went away. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And then they wait for us to use our free will to invite them back. And yeah. I also, they also want me to make it clear that if anyone listening did send them away as a child and now wants to invite them back, don't be fearful that they're going to retaliate or they're going to be mad at you or they're going to, you know, bully you. They don't even have that in their vocabulary. They don't do revenge. They're just loving and, and they would be thrilled if someone 
had sent them away and now invites them back. They would be really excited because they want to interact with as many people they want as to. they can. So, you know, they don't have the same concept of time as us. So, like, you know, we could say, we could be an eight-year-old and say, please go away and then wake up as a 58-year-old and say, okay, please come back. And to them, it's like, to us, exactly. it's 50 exactly. years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they probably don't see us. You know, we see ourselves getting wrinkles and getting yeah. older. They probably still see us as the same being that we always yep. look to them. Yep. When yep. We were eight years old. I know, isn't it crazy? As I was saying to you at the beginning of this, before we press the recording, it's like they don't age, do they? Like you don't see wrinkles on an alien. <laughs> they sure don't. I want that technology. <laughs> can't they give us some of that, you know, like <laughs> this ageing thing, you know, can't you give us some of that technology? How do we stop? I think they are in many ways. I think they're drip feeding us some of their technology, but uh, mm -hmm. we have to... We have to come to the party consciously. To, you know, we have to stop the fear and the hate and the criticism and yes. the judgment. And yes. when we raise our consciousness and stop hating on others just because they're different, whether they're a different religion or a different skin colour, then they'll give us more of their technology and humanity will yes. have the ability to cease ageing and maybe travel without, um, you know, through walls and stuff. I don't know, travel in... Yeah, have different technology, yeah. I'm waiting for a Star Trek teleporter. That's the big thing that I want. I know, right? <laughs> boom, be somewhere, come visit you for an afternoon and then boom. I know. I know, you could come here, be here with, on yeah. my couch with me in Sydney and we could be having this conversation. I've exactly. thought about that my whole life. I think that somebody said to me, I used to work on that technology in a past like really ancient life because I think that technology before this current civilization, you know, we've, we've advanced in, in our civilizations, many, in many civilizations that have been on earth and yes. reached the point where we've destroyed ourselves. So yes. um, I have memory of being in a past life where I was working with that transporter technology, that beam me up Scotty type technology. Oh, wow. And it just endlessly frustrates me in this life that I have to get in a car and drive somewhere or get in a plane and, and how slow it all is. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, anyway, you can project your consciousness over there. So when they take you out in your astral form, you know when you were driving the ship, were you mm -hmm. in your physical body or were you in your astral form? I think I was in my astral form at that time. Do you? I didn't wake up with any kind of marks or anything. And but I feel when I'm in the astral form, I just feel so much lighter and yeah. freer, like I'm floating, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah. And, and I can see more, you know, when we're in this body, all we can see is what we can see through these eyes and hear yeah. through these ears. But when you're out, you can almost see 360 degrees behind yeah. you. And, mm -hmm. and same with the hearing. Mm -hmm. Like there was one being, her name is Atekana. She's very specific about how that's spelled and everything. And when she speaks it, I can hear it. Like, I don't just hear it with these ears. I hear it three dimensionally all around me. It's, Oh, yeah, you've sent me some photos. I'm going to pop them up on this too. Let's talk about some of your friends. So you've got Atekana. I'll pop a photo of her. Who is she in relationship to you? Uh, she, I thought for the longest time when I was in denial about aliens being real, I believe she was a ghost because right. she's pure white and she's transparent. Right. Uh, but she has those big alien eyes, but I kind of ignored that fact. Um, she has the long arms and lower half of her body doesn't seem to exist. And I would wake up, she's 
come to me most of my life too. And I would wake up in the night. I remember specifically when I was nine months pregnant and I was very worried about giving birth and she was sitting on the side of my bed stroking my hair. And both of my grandmothers died before I was born. And mm. so I convinced myself this was the ghost of one of my grandmothers. Right. What a grandmother would do, right? And so for the longest time, I just believed she was a ghost of my grandmother because she's very nurturing and gentle and loving. And then the picture that I gave you, I showed these big, sharp teeth. And she, the time she came to me, I think it was around 2005 or so, she sat on the edge of my bed and smiled at me. She had pretty little red lips. And all of a sudden, she smiled and showed these giant teeth. And this is also the same visit where she told me her name. Yeah. And I bounced back because it's just instinctively scary to see a creature with big, sharp teeth. And she immediately shut her mouth when she saw that it scared me. And she told me then that she's a geneticist and she works with the DNA of the planet. And she was so proud that she had just created these teeth. She mm -hmm. used shark DNA, barracuda, uh, and some mammal like a bear and had made these really impressive teeth because she doesn't eat. She doesn't have a digestive system like we do. So she doesn't need teeth. Mm -hmm. She was so proud she wanted to show me that she had created these teeth from Earth DNA. And instead it scared me, scared little human like we most of us are. <laughs> but that's when I realized, wow, that's not my grandma. <laughs> that's not the ghost of my grandma. <laughs> She's definitely alien. You know, this is, this is reeking of the um, red riding hood. What nice big teeth you have, grandma. <laughs> All the better to eat you with. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's the best story I have about Crote. Is that he showed me long before I had a book published or dreamed that I would be talking publicly about this. He showed me standing on a stage talking to people about mm. him, which mm. I believe oh that's never going to happen. Yeah, and that he manifested on this stage just behind me, and I could hear the crowd gasping and you know panicking. And he told me to come over and hug him to let the crowd see that he was friendly and safe. And, you know, he's an insect. He's got big, wavy, creepy-looking, hairy legs. And I was kind of hesitant. And he stepped forward and enveloped me in this big, loving, compassionate hug. And he whispered in my ear, the better to hug you with, my dear. <laughs> because Little Red Riding Hood was my favorite story as a child. And my mom used to do the voices, the better to eat you with, my dear. And Crote knew that. He, he took that from my mind, that that was a happy, fun experience from my childhood and put me at ease that he was hugging me. This giant insect was hugging me with these big, creepy arms. And I laughed. You know, it totally diffused my fear. So you picked up on that, the Little Red Riding Hood. All the better to hug you with, my dear. Isn't that funny? But just that story, oh, look. You know, um, so they showed you standing on the stage and you've now done two conferences where you've stood on the stage. Stood on a stage. In fact, the first time I was kind of looking like, is Croak going to show up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he hasn't. And I guess humanity's not ready for that yet. But I, I would love that. What, what an experience would that be, you know? I'm just asking, is he going to do it? And he said, yeah, he will one day. But the people that will perceive him will only be the ones in alignment. Not everyone will perceive him. So his frequency needs to be perceived. It's, it's so interesting because I've had many conversations with people who perceive through their outside eyes, like, like Lorna and Jamie, who perceive spirit or subtle energy through their 
eyes, outside eyes, not through their third eye, you know, because I see a lot in my third eye. I don't, Me too. I don't see too much with my outside eyes. So I've been chatting to my guides about this and saying, you know, why can't I see through my outside eyes? And they said, believe you, me, Karen, you wouldn't want that because it would just make life too confusing. But hmm. they said that, you know, what you perceive with your outside eyes, you actually perceive with the brain anyway. It's not your eyes that are doing that. It's your, it's your brain that's, that's seeing. Mm -hmm. All this energy and information which we're, we're translating as what we see. So, um, so, yeah, it is very possible to see him with your outside eyes because, but you have to adjust the frequency. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Makes sense. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. But I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a seven-foot prey mantis give you a hug. <laughs> And he has told me, he's extending an invitation, even if people didn't choose alien intervention on their pre-birth platter. Yep, yep. Right now, Earth is at the point where they need or they want more and more people to interact with the ETs in a loving, yeah. accepting, friendly way and, and to receive knowledge. Like they can tell me how to build a free energy machine, but I'm no engineer. I'm, I, that would go right over my head. Yeah. They need more and more people, maybe someone who would understand those blueprints to yeah. believe and invite yeah. them in then they'll give us the technology to advance. So he said he's extending an invitation to anyone who wants to invite him in. He yeah. said he'll try to visit them and work with them. Yeah. We have to uh, talk to him about how to perceive him. I want to go through these guys because you've got these. Um, you, you've shown me one of the classic sort of grey alien face and then the profile. I'll pop that up as well. And the, the alien profile, it's kind of like their eyes pop out, but nothing else exists underneath their eyes. Yes, it's so creepy. I always wake up feeling creepy because they're talking to you and then they'll turn and they have no profile. They have no chin, no nose, and it's just so weird. But when I drew that, that profile, I, I realized it kind of looks like a bean sprout. And they have told me that some of them have evolved from plants and possibly because they don't eat and have digestive systems like us they use photosynthesis some of them yeah and so possibly that would explain why the grays are skinny and little and a grayish color green color maybe they evolve from plants wow fascinating just so a possibility who, who's this little one um she's lying on her side like this oh, <laughs> yes i saw her i had uh just, I believe I dated that 2005. I had just gotten divorced and was living alone and was feeling kind of sad and alienated. And I was laying in bed and I looked at my clock and it said 12 o'clock midnight. And I felt the sense of being watched. And I looked up and there she was hovering in the air above me, lying in the exact same position I was, just looking at me. And when she realized I was awake, she kind of startled and stood up and drew this square thing in the air and disappeared like through it like she drew a doorway and disappeared into it oh. and I could still sense her presence and I said please come back please come back but she didn't but uh I called her a fairy and I used to think fairies were a completely different thing than aliens but I have seen fairies on board ships so I don't know if they work with them if the dimensions cross over but I have seen fairies on ships so possibly fairies are aliens too and and i also had come across three different drawings of fairies one from 1974 when i was a teenager and then that other one 
uh, with the shorter hair, I believe I did in 2010. So it's like, were those the same being that's watched me over the course of 36 years or are they just the same species? So they the one all... with the shorter hair is the one that's going like this with the, like she looks like she's got wings. Yeah, they all have wings and the wings are just beautiful. They're shimmery and translucent like dragonfly wings with the like window pane effect. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Isn't it interesting? Ooh, it's so interesting. You know, what we perceive as an alien is what we've been fed through our mass media. Mm-hmm. It's some strange, um, being that is there to hurt us in some way but you've now put them in the same category as angels and fairies and spirit guides and you know the message that they're bringing is similar to the message that the angels are bringing it's similar to the message that the fairies are bringing it's all the same Mm -hmm. message it's like love each other and love the earth right Um, exactly so i don't i don't know if they all live together in same dimensions or whatever but they definitely all work together in some capacity we work together and they we we work together because we're one of them aren't we okay you've got casper you know as i look at these photos alana that that cartoon casper the friendly ghost it's taking on a whole new meaning isn't it yes do you remember that cartoon because you've got this alana character just looks like casper (laughs) It was my favorite cartoon as a, as a child, yeah. Now, isn't that fascinating? Maybe that was an attempt by some, you know, mind to, to bring, because Casper was so friendly and so loving and so helpful. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm. Interesting? I hadn't thought of that before. So back then uh, we had I Dream of Jeannie, we had Bewitched and we had Casper the Friendly Ghost. So we were really getting some benevolent messages through these television shows, really. We were. Yeah. We were. Who is Alana? I'm not sure if, uh, like that was 1974. I was a teenager. Yeah. And I originally sketched that on the back of a receipt from a, a hardware store where I was working when I was 17. Wow. So at that time, I still believe they were just dreams. And I used to take some of the dreams and write little short stories about them, I guess, still trying to make sense of it all. And so I'm not sure if she gave me the name Alana or if I just made that name and I was going to write a little short story about her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did she have any particular message that you remember or not really? Not really. Although I remember uh, she had a tinkling bells kind of a voice. Tinkling bells would accompany her arrival and, when she spoke, it was like tinkling bells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I, even back then, they might have been trying to approach me in a way that was non-threatening mm-hmm. because, you know, who's afraid of a fairy? It's Tinkerbell. It's, they're friendly and they're little. They were all three to four inches tall. Oh, okay. Oh, beautiful. So do you know what your mission is in this lifetime? Has Crote <laughs> given you more of a perspective on, like, what you're doing here? Pretty much, I guess, what I'm doing now. It took me 50-some years to come to the realization to write the book. And then when when Ozark Mountain Publishing emailed me to say that they were going to publish it, I thought somebody was joking. I didn't think somebody would actually publish my book. I had written it more just because I had boxes and files of all these notes I'd taken over the course of all my life. And I wanted to put them together because my niece's little girl started having night terrors. And my own granddaughter started having night terrors when she was three. And I thought, oh my gosh, if, if my grandmother had 
put together notes or a diary that I could have read. It would have helped me so much. Yeah. And so I mostly started gathering them together for these two little girls. And then as they came together, I just got the message that I needed to send it to a publisher, specifically to Dolores Cannon's publisher. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they agreed. They're the first one I sent it to and they agreed to publish it. And so I, I think that was, it, it was meant for me to get these messages out that it's okay yeah. to talk about it. And then when they asked me to speak, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm a writer. I'm an introvert. I'm not going to get up on a stage. But I did, and it went really well. And so I guess that's kind of it. It's, and then people have come up to me, and the first thing they say is, please don't think I'm crazy, but I saw this or I did this. And it's like I'm now a safe person to talk to. Yeah. I think a lot of people are walking around with these experiences and they think they're crazy. Yeah. But I came out and talked about it. So maybe it's okay for them to talk about it. So it's kind of like sending out the ripples that it's okay to talk about these things and believe that they're real. And there's other people out there going through the same thing. Yeah. So maybe that's the extent of it. I don't really feel like I have, like people have asked if I'm going to write a second book. I don't really have that feeling yet that I'm meant to, but I'm sure they'll wake me up at 3 a.m. with ideas if I'm supposed well, to. They will. I'll let you know. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty big mission, and uh, it's almost as if your work has only just begun, really. Um, you know, you've done the work getting over the divorce and the disease and the, the all the Ds, you know, there's the depression, divorce, disease, um, True. All, the D, all the Ds. And uh, so you've done the human thing, the human drama, and now you're here to help others uh, on their journey of awakening, yeah, as they mm -hmm. awaken to their galactic connections, yeah. Yes. That's a big job. It's a big job. And it's exciting. It's, it's like, wow, it's such an important thing for the earth and for people to know that it's okay. It's okay to go through this and you're not crazy. You're not crazy. So... How did you go at the conference just recently? Did you enjoy it? Yes, I really did. It was, it was so amazing. I had people come up, you know, a, a man that lived in Arkansas that had taken pictures, hundreds of pictures of UFOs right from his backyard. Right. And I it was encouraging him to show them to somebody. And he said, oh, no, no, you know, it's still a little bit they're not sure they want to step forward and go public with it. But right. and a lot of people came up to me and said they've seen mantis beings or that question of, I saw them when I was a kid, but I sent them away. Mm -hmm. I want them back, but I'm scared to invite them back. A lot of people have said that. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just really great. That yeah. These are like my people all my life. I've been kind of the weird one and the outcast. And these are people that are like me. Wow. It's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. You know, have you met Mary Rodwell? She's, no. um, well, she's an Australian. She's spoken at many conferences. She's been regressing, you know, thousands of people to their galactic roots and so many starseeds. You know, one of the, her clients in a regression said that when they were channeling said that half the population are starseeds. So, uh, wow. so we're, yeah, we're not alone. <laughs> no, we're definitely not. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean they're awake starseeds, but they're um, obviously souls who have spent a lot of time in other dimensions. Whereas mm -hmm. we probably all have as souls really been in other dimensions, every soul, but there I are just, there are just some souls that have spent more time in other dimensions. It sounds like your soul or spirit for a better part are a member of this galactic 
mob. And yes. yeah, and so you're their physical representation here on earth. You know, you're living the human life for their benefit to show them what it's like to have a divorce and go through disease. <laughs> yes, I feel like some of them are living vicariously through me. Totally, on my earth life. Yeah, totally. You're living That's the life for them. They take me on their ship and stare into my eyes and read my soul because they they're living through the experience they're living yeah so that they don't have to have the physical life you're having it for them exactly and i and two they don't see that your body is you either because you know it's just like it's like this top i'm wearing it's like i've got it on but it's not me and often right. they you know often they take you out of your clothes they do your body and this is what we don't understand about aliens when they take us and, you know, take our eggs and harvest our eggs. They don't actually see that body as being us, just what we're wearing. And so, yeah, we, we, we're so attached to our bodies being us. And mm -hmm. yeah. That is one of the gifts they've given me is I'm not afraid of death. I mean, when I was younger, I was terrified of death, but I know without a doubt that I exist beyond this body. So yeah. That's a pretty big gift. And they, they often take your, as you say, your astral or your, your spirit out of, like the cat's trying to drink my water. Go away. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> look, ah, look at this little alien being. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Um, cats. Yeah, they often take your spirit body out of your body anyway and, and hang out mm -hmm. with you, that essence of you that is not in your, that's not your body. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've been chatting for ages. I don't even know what time we started. We started ages ago, an hour and a half ago. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Your story is so fascinating, honestly. And any, oh, last, thank you. any last messages you'd like to leave with people? Are you in communication with Croat telepathically um, now? He says yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Actually, it's not so much physical because now my body's older, so they don't harvest eggs or yeah. and they've shown me their ships they've shown me some of their basic stuff so it's much more just a telepathic mm -hmm. I can ask a question and I'll hear his voice or I'll yeah. visit me that night at my bed but it's not as much hands-on as it used to be I think he's out there working with other people now and I used to be a very jealous person especially when I was married and mm -hmm. you know you would think that I would be jealous that he's out there working with all these other people but it's such an enormous love unconditional huge love that i want him to work with as many people as he possibly can and mm. you know but he's still he hasn't abandoned me he's still there he still lets me know he's present sometimes so uh so in fact, when i was asked to speak at the ufo conference i was a little apprehensive a little nervous i took my dog out for a little walk and she stopped and sniffed at something in the grass and it was this little silver, where is he? Alien, little, he's waving his hand and he's got a smile on his face. Exactly. And you know, I get little synchronicities like that. He was just laying in the grass. And I knew that that was Croat telling me that that's all good and I'm with you. And oh, that's beautiful. so I, I don't feel like they've abandoned me at all. I just don't interact with them as much or in the same way that I used to. So if he had a, a message to leave everybody with, what would he say to us? Uh, don't be afraid. Um, we're here to bring you good things, nothing bad, nothing dangerous. We wouldn't hurt you. We're just here to help and make the earth a better place. Oh, and a big message that he has is that 
I always believed that in order to heal the earth, we had to go back to living like Stone Age, you know, get rid of all the plastic, get rid of all the technology. But he has assured me, no, 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 we can have high technology mm -hmm. and still live in balance and harmony with the earth. And they have methods that can help to heal the earth, you know, to mm -hmm. eliminate the plastics out of the ocean and things like that. But mm -hmm. they're not going to do it for us. We're here to do the work. They will help us. They will send us suggestions and thought forms. But we have to roll up our sleeves and do the work. Mm -hmm. And they will help us with that. Donna, I think about that every day because, you know, as I watch my recycling bin just fill up with plastics, I think, um, you know, most of this is not going to be recycled. It's going to go in landfill. But mm -hmm. they do have the technology to transform, even though we say that plastic lasts for thousands of years in our environment, they do have the technology to transform that plastic so that it's not harmful. Um, mm -hmm. that, the better technology is to actually create plastic that is already not harmful, which is possible, which is, you know, biodegradable plastic. There's better technology than any, any of that. But I often say to them, why don't you give us that? Why don't you give us that technology? Why do I see this, you know, this devastation happening to the earth? And they say, you need to raise your, con you need to raise your consciousness first. You need, yeah. to, um, you need to make the earth more important than your, you know, takeaway dinner. Exactly. And when that, when you're, when you're in, when you're in that consciousness, then we'll give you what you need to clean up the environment. And exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's what they mean by we're not going to do it for you because it's all mm -hmm. about, it's all about this connection, this conscious connection that we're all, we're, all, we're one. Because the fact that we're producing all this pollution without a care of what it's doing to the planet is just the consciousness that they, they want us to shift, you know, to start. Right. Being, yeah. So exactly. everyone, thank you so much. It's just been fascinating. I've loved every minute of it. Thank yes, you. Yes, me too. And thank you for all that you do. It's just brilliant. Wonderful. And for people listening to this on radio, where can they get in touch with you? What's your website? Oh, I have a website. It's DonnaLynnDreams.com. And I'm on Facebook, DonnaLynnDreams. And Twitter, but it's not very active, DonnaLynnDreams. Yeah, I see that your Facebook page, you've only got a couple of people. So for anyone listening to this, go to Donna's Facebook page and say hi to her on her Facebook page. And uh, yeah, get the book and stay tuned because she's going to write a chapter that's not in her book, well, maybe a few more details for our upcoming uh, Awakening uh, Soul series. I'm going to do a, a book all about ET connections because I think that, um, you know, to have 12 or so stories of people's ET connections. So if you've got a story that's a benevolent, you know, not about the terror and the fear, I love that you called your book From Fear to Love because that's what we're doing on this mm -hmm. planet. We're moving from fear to love. And, that's um, right. That's what all my shows are about is, is moving out of fear into love. And uh, so I want to showcase that in a book series too. One of the books is, um, you know, our ETED connections and how it's a benevolent, loving, good connection. So I look right. forward to that coming out in um, maybe this year or maybe next. It took me a year to get the first book out, so it might be a year to get I look forward to reading it, other people's stories too. Yeah, uh, yeah. It helps confirm my experiences when I read or hear of other people that have very similar things going on. It's exactly. And there's like, we talked about thousands. There's just, just literally even millions, but mm -hmm. they're just not brave enough 
to come out and talk about it or if they are maybe they don't have full memory recall you know mm -hmm. like sherry she was so adamant that aliens had nothing to do with her life until she went into hypnosis i love her story <laughs> <laughs> and uh so there's so many stories to come you know to come there out are. yeah yeah so it's exciting so thank you again okay thank, thank you, you. Bye for now. Isn't Donna just wonderful? She's so humble. She's had such an amazing life experience and so humble about it. Imagine holding all that in for all those years and not telling anyone. She told her mum when she was little and her mum told her not to tell anybody, so she didn't until I think it was the 90s. So maybe you have a story you'd like to share that has transformed your life. That's what we're looking for in the upcoming book, uh, My ET or ED Connections. Working title at the moment, don't know what the title will be. It'll come, might just be that, My ET Connections. And uh, really what we're looking for is how it's transformed your life, how it's brought you a message from and, you know, gone from fear to love. That's what it's all about. That's what we're doing. And, you know, we've got more of those messages in the book, Awakened by Death how death, seemingly the most scary thing that we can go through in our life, can actually take you from fear to love because I think most of the fear that we have on this planet is about the fear of death, the fear of annihilation, the fear of not existing anymore. Not only do we never not exist, we exist in multiple realities all at once. Isn't it fascinating? So cool. But, you know, the message around all of this technology and alien encounters and angel encounters and death encounters is love. That's what we're talking about. It's all about love. So we've got a couple of books on the boil. We've got my ET connections. We've got my angel encounters and we've got my awakening, uh, spiritual awakening, which is about people's spiritual awakening. We have uh, that, that book's pretty full actually. So if you have some angel encounters, maybe you've had some physical run-ins with some angels and uh, maybe that changed your life we're looking for those stories and your et encounters as well and how that changed your life maybe you've never told anybody it's time to get your music out of you so maybe you can do it in the book the awakening soul series your chapter might just change the lives of thousands more on the planet so go out and support us and buy the book Awakened by Death and be a part of the series or buy those when they come out too. And if you want some more up close and personal uh, connections with some of the guests we have on the show or with me and you want to ask your questions to my guides, my mob, join us in the inner sanctum or book a person. You can always book a personal session. I might stop doing those soon because I'm getting just way too busy to do one-on-ones more about the group these days but uh it's not expensive the inner sanctum it's only like 20 american dollars 25 australian dollars a month and uh, you get to meet some of the guests that i have on the show i was thinking i might invite donna in maybe next year or towards the end of this year she will have had a few more experiences under her belt by then and it'll be great to catch up with her again thanks again for watching it's been a pleasure as always to bring this information and this frequency to you this broadcast broadcasting love catch you next time love you all bye for now 
thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to all the podcasts are also available on itunes remember to check us out on facebook twitter instagram pinterest you name it we're there until next time bye for now if you feel like that's what you want